everyone, I'm Mansa. And I'm Portia. Welcome to Assume It Will Be Brilliant, Shondaland Stand Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to, I think this is episode 11, which is kind of sad because it means we're nearing the end of the season, but we do have a very fantastic episode. Today we'll be talking about the social utility, or at least that's how we've termed it. I guess whether it's right, whether it's good, whether we like it, how we feel about the fact that there's so many dark teenage shows, shows about teens and films that are just out there and dealing with extremely heavy topics like drug abuse, sexual assault, school shootings, suicide, um, the impact of social media, all of which I should have probably preceded by giving a trigger warning about because we will talk about those things a little bit, but only in the context of the shows that are out. Mm -hmm. Um, And those shows include Euphoria, which I think, Nomsa, you haven't seen, right? I've not seen Euphoria. This is very interesting because at the in in the pre-discussion i haven't seen a lot of these shows because they're so intense (laughs) (laughs) which is what we'll be talking about exactly so which is what we'll be talking about cruel summer which nomsa you've seen i haven't seen 13 reasons what 13 reasons why which was like huge and controversial at the time that it came out and very very teeny and then an hbo max movie called the fallout which i really like and surprise surprise we also have a guest with us today to help us with this discussion we've invited my friend my lovely friend dana who's now officially a friend of the pod so dana why don't you say hi tell us a bit about yourself and what you think the reason is that i've brought you on the pod <laughs> that's a really good actually <laughs> i'm not sure i want to know the reason why you brought me on the pod <laughs> for this particular episode well i as you mentioned um friend of Porsche's uh, and uh, Porsche and I met each other a handful of years ago while we were both doing an LLM in LA and I am doing quite well. I have just recently moved back to New York and I am yay, yay. <laughs> world <laughs> and you know I am a lawyer and I you know Google things all day long I don't want to bore people with <laughs> the details of that but uh, personal life very good I mean okay fine don't toot your own horn but Dana's also a very good writer and designs clothing which I can't even begin to think where I would begin it to have how would I do that if I just you know I was saying saying how cool Dana is because of that well thank you I love this podcast But the best part is that Dana and I, much like you and I, Noam Sam, watch a lot of television. We're very interested in storytelling. We like mm-hmm. to get into the hows and the whys. And is the is the plot useful? Was there appropriate character development? Dana, you like esoteric stuff, though. You recently introduced me to, what's his name, Rogers? The guy who did, he's a film director who did <laughs> a movie called The Witch and the recent one called The Northman. Oh, that was a venture into genre for me. I wasn't ready. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, I don't even think of Eggers as like super esoteric, really. But um, maybe, yeah. I mean, I I felt like I was going to like, when I watched the movies, I was like, oh, I'm this is like a dude bro space. 
and Dana's <laughs> occupied it. Um, <laughs> Maybe I'm just trying to reclaim that space. I personally, I, I like Eggers and I get why he engenders that kind of dude bro fan response. Well, yeah, because that's just yeah. what I was reading online. It felt like a lot of like cool uh, testosterone, not necessarily yeah. toxic, you know, but just like very like, oh, cool. Norse mythology. <laughs> violence I don't know you know that kind of but but let's not digress so I thought I would start by telling folks why this topic even came to mind which is I was watching this documentary about Billie Eilish and her mother was because you know she makes sort of like dark music and her imagery is Mm -hmm. also very like kind of a little bit grimy a little bit whatever and her mom was saying that listen these children have been born into like apocalyptic times in terms of climate change. Everywhere they look, awful things are happening, like the school shootings that have been on the rise. All they see in the politics is like this deeply polarizing situation and things just aren't fun for kids. Like I remember when I was coming up, all the teen shows, first of all, these kids were never actually in school. They were having romantic made up dramas that made you kind of aspire to, <laughs> to so-called adulthood, which was turning 16, okay, and being <laughs> in Dawson's Creek or 90210 or the OC. In the extreme, you also had like Gossip Girl about rich teens, you know, and their mm-hmm. topics were like intense and dark, but it was mostly just like, romantic entanglements, you know what I mean? And they lived mm-hmm. in these worlds like the OC, they were in like Orange County, what did you what did you know about that they were very wealthy um in one tree hill they were i guess they were very wealthy they were the most middle class but there was still a very wealthy family in there that was like causing the mix-up so bad boy and you know his brother at the other side of the tracks like the haves and the have-nots energy which are just like basic stories but these new ones Mm -hmm. are very they feel very realistic and what's hard is that the circumstances of the teens also feel unrealistic in a way. I don't know if I'm making mm-hmm. sense or if any of you want to touch on that. Because I'm watching Euphoria and I'm like, it's no way. Like, why is this 16-year-old hanging out with drug dealers? What There's weapons. All of them are, like, wearing so much makeup. And are they actually 16? And I, I sound old. I feel like I'm, I'm showing my age because I'm just like... <laughs> When I was in high school, I was reading my books, like, you know, getting ready to go. I wasn't even allowed to whisper to the boys who were, like, sequestered at a different school across the yard, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And then on top of that, like, they they are really, really acting. You know what I mean? They're really getting into the minutia of their conditioning and the pressures on teenagers. And, like, it's not ignoring gendered perspectives. It's not focused on, like, the stereotypes that I was talking about before. You know, I haven't seen a teen show recently that's about the prom king and queen you know what i mean it's usually actually kind of about subverting that stereotype and i guess the question is is this good or bad because you always get the parent groups you know (laughs) like don't show my children these things this is so bad for them like 13 reasons why everyone's like how can you just depict a suicide and not tell anybody what's going on and then the other camp was saying But this is actually happening. And we generally do have issues in our society of not wanting to properly acknowledge how bad a situation is or how gruesome the situation is or and so on and so forth. So I've rambled a little bit. Y'all jump in here. Firstly, I think the American high school experience is so fascinating for me personally, having gone to a girls school in South Africa. And it's so different. We didn't have like a, a cafeteria in the sense of 
you know, these American shows have or, and again, because it was a girl's school, there wasn't trying to impress boys or those that dating experience or feeling super self-conscious about how I, about how we looked at school. Um, and of course, when we were younger, social media wasn't a thing. It wasn't happening again, sh- showing our age. So I think that I think it's just outside of our experience from a contextual perspective, just in terms of the time, but also the place. And then I also think there is a sense in which there's a lot more exposure in general on television, on these shows of a lot of things that I think were maybe hidden and just not spoken about because these things were happening. We, there was a time remember years ago of the Columbine shooting so a show now years later of a school shooting is or a, or a movie later I mean that had already been happening I guess it wasn't really being depicted there's just a lot more exposure of these dark images in general on, te- on television these dark themes stories which I think have always been experienced. If we think of just even representation, there's a lot more representation. And that's not to say that black people just started coming up or Latino, Latina or Latinx people have just propped up or the people in the LGBTQIA community have just propped. We've all, you know, people have always, we've all been around, but there's, you know, now more exposure. And I think that's possibly a part of it. Um, And a lot of things that teens are being exposed to in their real lives, Mm. it's a lot different to, I think, what we were previously exposed to. So, Mm. yeah. I suppose you're yeah. right. Medium. Yeah. We've talked about this before. There's just a lot more. The same. Eh, it's the yin and yang. We have more representation because there's more streaming services, more internet options, da 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 da. And so I guess to some extent it's the same thing. Like there's just yeah. more space for these things to be discussed and more people being allowed to tell the stories, I guess. Yeah. I think how I view it is that a lot of this stuff existed before, but there is more of an appetite to kind of amplify those voices in a way Mm. that probably didn't exist before. So, you know, to your point of like the euphoria of it all, um, Mm. I think, do I think that it's realistic that there's a 16 year old girl who is experiencing all of the things that Rue is experiencing on Euphoria? Probably not. That's why it's a TV show. But do I think there is a nugget of truth there? And there are probably some 16 year old girls who are exposed to at least some of the things that she um, has been exposed to and do have addiction issues and have unorthodox relationships with the people who supply them with drugs. Absolutely. And I think it's just more a willingness to give more life to teenage experiences in a way that, and, and, Um, teenage experiences that don't necessarily uh, look the way that most adults want teenage experiences to look. Uh, I think um, there's just more of a willingness to put that out there into the world than there used to be. As far as like the parent advocacy groups go, I remember there being huge warnings on lots of things that I watched as a teenager where, so I don't think those people are saying anything new and I don't think they're going to go, um, I think they've always had no, even what you're describing now is like these relatively innocuous, like TV shows, Portia, I think they've always had a problem with any kind of 
representation of things that don't fit in with the sort of um, kinds of versions of, you know, average American life that Mm. people want to think exist. So a hundred percent. You're totally right about that. As you were speaking, I was thinking how things are very idealized in general. Um, and I think that's sort of where the, the realism coming into mainstream television, at least the shows that are doing that is to just take away from that idealization because it's not true. Like I remember even Shailene Woodley. I never watched the whole show, but she came up on some TV show called like 16 and Pregnant. That might be the name of a reality show. She was in some show. Um, where... <laughs> the Secret Diary of oh an American Teenager. You see? Pregnant right. on the show. <laughs> and it was being depicted like how anomalous, you know? How unusual, how, yeah. how, how sad, you know what I mean? And, and just a few episodes ago, we were talking about how, um, I don't even know what the topic was, but just the answer in general to a lot of what ails us might be normalization, like just stopping mm-hmm. pretending that these things don't happen. Mm-hmm. So I very much see the social utility in that. And even in those shows I was talking about, the relatively innocuous ones as you turned them, there would always be something that would be <laughs> something like that, like a pregnancy or maybe a suicide again, or something where it's like, oh no. And I just have finished watching the documentary about the FLDS, which was the fundamentalist um, Church of Latter-day Saints or something like that. That was uh, yes. this this uh, polygamous uh, group. Religious the Netflix group. one? Yeah, Keep Sweet and Pray, it's called. Yes, and, yes, yes. You know, the, the head of that church, it was eventually was convicted for being an accomplice to rape and rape himself for, basically they were marrying underage girls. That's what they got into trouble for. They were like, your polygamy is fine, but these are literal babies. And so many children were, you know, basically being abused and getting pregnant. And then I was thinking like, and I think a lot, even back home, like in, there's just teen pregnancy is very ubiquitous. It's very ubiquitous because sexual abuse is incredibly ubiquitous and sexism is incredibly ubiquitous. And in many parts of the world, like women are just still chattel, you know? And so it's interesting that in this idealized world, they try to minimize the existence of that. You know what I mean? And yet somehow all the isms are still at play and it's like super weird. But um, yeah, you're you're hundred percent correct. It is just, I guess, a reflection of that which does not want these, you know, we don't want to be reflected to us because we prefer to, our egos much prefer a sanitized version of every, you know, facet of life. (laughs) Yeah, actually, yeah, I agree. I love what you said, Dana, that a lot of this is a lot to do with what parents want to believe their teens are going through and don't want to believe that their teens could possibly be dealing with these and it's like you almost forget when you become older how intense the experience of being a teenager is the hormones the emotions mm. things are so intense you think thing you think the people you're with fr- friends with speaking you think you're going to be with them forever you feel things are eternal but they're not and but there's a real intensity so i actually think there's um it's it's quite interesting that these shows are as dramatic as they are and I guess isn't it reflective of what it is to be a teenager is your life feels so intense so big emotions everything overwhelming because you've never felt this before you've never experienced this before 
and it is the first time you're falling in love or the first time you're taking substances or the first time you're having a lot of people that look like you or don't look like you and you're questioning your own identity and you're trying to figure out who you are. And at the same time, it's the first time you're attuned to what your parents' relationship is like, to what your siblings' relationships are like. So I guess there is a sense in which these are just shows and there's a dramatic effect, but there's also a utility in it being as dramatic to mm. really expose how intense well, there's a truth experience. In it. Yeah. There's a truth. There's a truth in it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's huge. I think the dramatization, and I we can talk about this a little bit more. I I understand why some people have the reactions that they have to some like to keep with uh, euphoria, for instance. I think some people have problems with the idea, not just of the drug use, but what seems to be, there's a sense in which they are making that seem positive or kind of glamorizing. I don't feel that way about euphoria, but I understand the criticism. And I think that the reason why I don't object to it so much is because I do think that that's how it feels in that moment for that person, because it is such your um, being a drug addict and also being a 16 year old girl would feel that dramatic because very dramatic things are going to happen to you. If that's your context, if that's the way you're living and the only way to that any real substance uh, in that context, in that dramatic context is to make it that amped up because that's how it feels. That's how like her lived experience would be. Um, And I do think that applies for a lot of different things. Like the fact of the matter is for you in that moment as a 16 year old or as a teenager, uh, your life does feel that dramatic. That is your first Mm -hmm. love. That is your first experience doing X or Y. And it, it does carry that significant weight. In one way, it's great that people have access to that and that there is that representation on screen for people to see like, mm-hmm. oh, it's not unusual to feel this way in this context. It's great that kids have that because um, so much of what that experience is, is um, isolating because you don't know a yeah. lot of times if that if your experience is unique or if everybody is feeling the same way as you and giving people that voice is, uh, is like you know um in some ways i wish i had access to things like that because it would make a lot of things seem less intense because i could see someone going through a much more <laughs> <laughs> and I can think like, well, at least it's not that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my life's chilled. Okay. <laughs> speaking, um, my life is very. I, I, I do tend. I mean, and sometimes I'm like, oh my god, am I going to end up like as one of those pe- people in a parents group that protesting things? Because I do. Because <laughs> I completely agree with everything that you're saying, and I was thinking about that quote that's attributed to Viktor Frankl a lot about like how the play between stimulus and response is the space and that's where you have your power to choose and that's also like how you grow and exercise freedom because you'll experience something and then you have the ability to choose to respond and that does not exist as a teenager like that space is so the drama of it all makes absolute sense the reactionary nature mm. of children makes even though when you're watching it as an adult you've forgotten somewhat your experience mm. 
But then I have the question of like, and we'll get, let's right now get into some of the different shows and what's explored in them and the different topics that have come up. So that we don't miss all our plans. But um, I wonder who is it for? Like, because when I watch the show, I'm like, should teenagers actually be watching this show, given that that space between stimulus and response is small? Like, what is their takeaway? I'm right. no longer in the mindset of a teenager. Maybe we should have invited a teenager on the episode. But like, <laughs> I don't want to be like, hey, kid, have you watched Euphoria? <laughs> I don't know. I have a great show recommendation for you. <laughs> Because it's 13 me, like, reasons why. <laughs> Stop it. No, because the shows are made by adults, acted in by adults, usually in the more referrals, because it's literally legal to make like children do some of these things. And I'm the adult watching it. So I'm like, it, who is it? Who 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 is it for? Who is this? Who is it socially utilitying for? You know, um, but anyhow, let's get into the discussions of some of these shows. So we had mapped out four topics that had been explored in some of the shows we'd watched. Nomsa, you're going to talk to us a little bit about Cruel Summer and how it explored the topic of grooming, which isn't often um, done on television. I have to say, I've only seen it sort of as part of something else, you know, and it's usually like true crimey and told to you in reference of like here's a list of things people do but not in like the moment to moment experience of it so I'm actually still very interested in watching the experience of this show and then I'm also just very interested in what 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 seems to be like an emergence of these feminist takes on the Lord of the Flies which are exploring yeah we talk, we've talked a little bit about yellow jackets and also the wilds and it's just like these teen girls let loose you know to get along with their own devices and to have that dramatic those feelings that empathy that all of that like those hormones like just be feral you know and in the street <laughs> and see what happens and obviously mental health and addiction with euphoria and 13 reasons why and i thought dana you'd be great to talk about like as you've said you're not opposed to anything but i know you also have some thoughts on what isn't isn't too far you know or is there even such a thing and then both of us have seen dana and i have seen the movie the fallout and we'll talk a little bit a bit about that but why don't we start with you nomsa i loved cool summer she plays um one of the one of the moms in the show so i was actually very interested in watching this and it's basically about these two girls one is a very top popular girl kate and in high they're, they're both in high school and another one who is really just wanting to be her friend. Every time Kate speaks to her, she like glows. And, um, but one day Kate goes missing. Um, she, she is put up on the missing files. Everyone thinks that she's been kidnapped. And what happened was that she um, went to her teacher's house after a fight with her mom. And she stays there for a while willingly in the beginning, but things start to shift um, the longer she's there. And one of the things she does, she gets out eventually um, and she goes to therapy and she speaks to her therapist about how she doesn't really feel like right even calling herself a victim because she went to the teacher's house willingly. And the therapist speaks to her about, well, goes through 
um, just the different aspects of their relationship and speaks to her about how from the very beginning, from the moments this teacher met her, he was grooming her. And it was never a time when she was, she genuinely was willing, even though she thinks she was, because she was groomed to think he was safe, groomed to believe that she could stay in this place with him, that, it, that he was okay, that he wasn't a bad guy. Um, when actually there was a sense in which he was manipulating her and controlling her and doing things even before she came to his house to make her feel safe, to make her feel a certain way, even though the, the relationship was obviously completely inappropriate in terms of him being her teacher and her being a high school student and also the age and the fact that she is so vulnerable as a teenager and what decisions she makes are it's not like when you are a 26 year old being 16 is not the same and I just found it very interesting because in that situation I think a lot of people would have I mean watching it you're like oh wait she went to his house willingly but as they start doing the flashbacks and seeing him, the way he spoke to her, um, allowed her to speak about her relationship with the family and sort of say, oh, but you can speak to me about anything. That's subtle manipulation every time. Um, and I think it's actually such a very, it's, it's a very good thing to depict because especially for, for teenagers, men or boys and girls, you don't know, you often don't know you're being manipulated by older people and you think you're saying yes to things where you've been manipulated into um, a specific in inappropriate relationship. Um, yeah, I just thought it was a very interesting thing. And I found that part very useful. <laughs> There's social utility. Um, it's just very good, a very good discussion to be had. I mean, it was a small part, but it was a but it was also a big part of, of her lived experience that she couldn't even recognize um, having been there and having lived through the experience that she could only see through therapy. That definitely sounds like something that has a lot of social utility. I think because when you are that age, you don't have the ability to really recognize. And I think a lot of people who have been through that experience and as adults don't have the ability to recognize how they've been uh, manipulated in certain situations. Um, and I think, you know, one characteristic of a lot of victims, uh, especially victims of abuse, is that they think to themselves, as we often do as human beings, of like, what could I have done to mm. prevent that from happening to me? And then mm. because as human beings, when you have regrets or, you know, uh, unwanted experience, let's say, uh, you have a sense in which you're like, how to attribute to this? Uh, and it doesn't matter what the experience is, you you get that uh, response from yourself just as a human being. And that can really easily morph into how did I, like, how was I wrong in that situation? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What did I do wrong that made that happen to me? And it takes a lot of work to be able to exist in a place where you can say like, okay, you know, I am not to blame for another person's actions that were um, detrimental to me or had a negative impact on me. Like if someone does something that is wrong 
and commits a crime in that case, right? Against me. I shouldn't have to go through this mental gymnastics of trying to assign assign. blame to myself. That's not um, Mm. productive, healthy, or objectively right. Uh, And I think that that's very difficult though. Like, you know what I mean? Like when you go through trauma, you, you often um, think that you have done something to contribute to it. Um, so in that way, I think that's uh, very useful to all, well, very useful to people who have suffered from trauma, very useful for people to be on the lookout for things that, um, uh, you know, like situations that make you uncomfortable. Uh, so for people who maybe teenagers who don't have the, um, immediate, uh, language, yeah, to deal with mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, what about this situation doesn't check out? I think that's huge to be able to um, look at something like that and go, yeah, mm-hmm. someone's trying to do that to me right now. I should probably avoid that person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good segue into the, at least the show, The Wilds. I don't know if you've seen it, Dana, have you? I would actually highly recommend it. But as y'all were speaking, I was thinking about how with a topic like that, with like grooming, even now with what's been going on with the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial, Mm. which I've just had to eject myself from until the end. In terms, in matters of like grooming and even domestic and how like the victim in a grooming situation will respond or domestic abuse and how domestic abuse victims will tend to respond. It's so hard to communicate that to the general public be- mm. when it comes to the stuff that is counterintuitive again because of these idealized pictures we have of what like unions are like and we even have idealized versions of what abuse looks like like this is what a perfect yeah. victim is this is what a perpetrator is and yep. a perpetrator equals a monster they were never good or if somebody does a crime in order to help them you have to they have to have been an angel in a path or something or like we do this thing with these ideals and then we fail to catch the nuance in the middle and i wanted to speak to that nuance like one of the only ways to convey nuance like that especially in a society that's so far that's so closed <laughs> you know and doesn't want to see hard things is through story so this would probably mm. be a great point to end on but i'm thinking about how actually these shows might be have deep utility if only because they make the attempt to give you a fuller picture and mm. story of this thing that's hard that we don't haven't yet fully dealt with and excised from our society that harms children and obviously adults because those children grow up. Um, but yeah, and uh, I was saying earlier about the how there's this new feminist take on Lord of the Flies, specifically the shows Yellow Jackets and the Wilds. And since you haven't seen the Wilds, Dana, I'll tell you what it is. It's basically these girls who like have behavioral issues and they're sent to like, hey, you're going to go to a to a place to be reformed like some kind of reform camp some summer camp and then there's a plane crash on the way there and in yellow jackets it's for real you've seen yellow jackets i think no so in yellow jackets it's a real ass plane crash like it you know and then the thing is like stuff went down that they don't they're not talking about as adults and it's coming back to haunt them in the wilds it's a plane crash but it something feels like a setup about it it feels like what is this experiment like it doesn't feel like it was a real it feels like it was a planned plane crash and what's interesting is the second season just came out and they had a group of boys Uh 
So I'm very interested to see what happens in the third season. Yeah. But um, essentially, the central question is like, what are these teenagers going to do when they're left to their own devices without a map of life? Like high school, college, job, get a family, you know? (laughs) I'm curious about how you think you would individually fare in those circumstances. Maybe we can do that at the end. (laughs) But in these shows, basically, you see... Every character has a completely different personality, but you see them get to express their full range of emotions. And I thought the character building was rather excellent in both shows. I I think I prefer The Wild. The Wild is much more teen focused because it stays on the teens in their past life and in their now, whereas like Yellow Jackets is giving you the adult lens. It's these adults trying to sanitize their image, trying to maintain their innocence, trying to not let their reputation be harmed and all this stuff. Whereas the wild is just the girls, like just the teenagers as they are. And the shows also depict sexuality very differently. And also Yellow Jackets is like set in the past when they have the plane crash. It's like in the 80s or something. So there's a there's a there's a time thing based there, whereas the wild is contemporary. And I thought it was interesting because, and I mean, there is an effort nowadays to be much less heteronormative, to be just a little more honest in these things. But, you know, in I was thinking about old shows and movies, like Cruel Intentions, you know, which was about the exploration of teen sexuality, but it was so male gazy, so salacious, yeah, salacious you know? Yeah. Um, whereas these shows are like, these girls are just trying to figure out who they are. They might already mm. know that they're gay or queer queer, bisexual, whatever it is. And they're also just having normal relationships. Like in Yellow Jackets, one of the girls is hooking up with her best friend's boyfriend, which in old shows was done in a very like, (gasps) no way, you know? Mm -hmm. Whereas in this one, it's much more complex. You know, you're like, "Ah, I don't know what to do with this, you know? Um, but yeah, I I guess I do think I I I don't know about social utility per se. Um, but I guess as I said, if the social utility is in the storytelling itself, I think these are great shows to have because they're really like every character is defined. They're their own person. They have their own backstory, and they're letting them be an individual. They're letting them be both you know a hero and villain in different aspects. You know they they're making them as complex as they really are. And I and it's actually very interesting to watch. And these actors are. Doing Doing great jobs. <laughs> They're really doing great <laughs> jobs. Honest, you know? Um, but um I would not do well in like a Lord of the Flies situation. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think I would do I ha- I mean two things. I would either completely like be done especially if the group was annoying like people didn't want to work together or, to me, or, to or I would emerge as an iconic leader like these are the only two options. There's nothing in between. I would emerge as an iconic leader. That's me. That's who I would be. I would be really saving everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's how you really feel, Gamsa. I don't know if I would be saving everyone, but, and I don't know if I would even call it leadership, but I would be bossing everyone around that. That is who I know exactly. myself and I, you know, there's some times where I wish I weren't that kind of person, but that is the truth about who I am. And I can tell you right now that I would not be dealing with any nonsense on a deserted yes. island with anyone. Okay. Life or day. Get exactly. yourself together or yes. you are going to have to find another island, baby. So... Okay, this Otherwise, is brilliant this then. Is I how think we, we make a great team. May I only end up on an island with you two? Because <laughs> everybody wants to be in charge. Everybody doesn't want to mess. Everybody wants to just be moving forward. The only thing I would not be, because I can, 
I can't. If people are just wanting to argue and we'll make decisions and stick to them after a certain amount of time, I'm out. So that's what I think. I'm, I'm like, I'm being quiet. I'm seeing what you're doing. I'm doing the best choice I can make, but I'm done with trying to achieve consensus. But if we can achieve consensus and we can assign a leader and people know their assignments and people are okay, okay. I'm on board. I'm on board with this group. Dana um, and I can swap like different decisions. Like, okay, I'll decide this. You decide that. I'll just, we can. Yeah. I would love that. I would love that. I would follow there both of you. Things, yeah. There are some things I don't care about. And I'm sure there are some things Same. you don't care about. And we can just decide what that are like, this is fundamental to who I am. And therefore I must make this decision. Yes. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. One yeah. thing I wanted to say, Portia, about just in general, these sort of, I haven't seen either show, but um, something that occurred to me as working was I think in, even if we take away this like teen show um, aspect of it, there is just because we have developed over time, such people talk about peak TV, but we have developed such great complex um, universes within that medium. Um, And I think, again, there is more of a willingness to do that kind of thing because you have the ability to do it. And it's why, you know, we get not just darker um, stuff tonally, but the complexity and the willingness to have people instead of being, you know, these like one dimensional characters to really try to get people to be the way people are in real life, especially because we can do that on TV. You have the time and the space to really look at people as whole people. And so in that context, you can have people in one episode doing something really altruistic and helping Mm -hmm. the group and being much more, you know, focused on the group dynamic. And then in another episode, be an absolute nightmare. Uh, And it's because that's how people are. (laughs) We can do that because we have developed that network in in, um, television where the writing and you have good, you have good acting, you have good writing, you have good other, you know, uh, storytelling techniques that allow you to really uh, do all of that. So I think, I think that's Mm -hmm. part of the general trend in, um, in TV to create more complexity and more nuance in places where we might, because the storytelling wasn't up to snuff, have done a shoddier job. So. True, true, true. And actually, speaking of storytelling techniques or writing techniques, they is ubiquitous use of the flashback. In, oh my God, everybody drinking game with how often I've said ubiquitous in this episode. I guess it's the word of the day. But um, yeah, they. I think it's so clever. It's well used because I was a little bit like mm, over it, you know, like, are we, am I always in a splash? Because now I kind of expect to see flashbacks for characters, but it is <laughs> useful because it shows you why people are triggered in whatever the present of the of the show is or why they're doing things. It's a very, very useful um, technique. Um, I don't like the flashback, to be honest with you. Yeah. I well, love in these shows specifically. In these shows where they're... Where they're stranded on the island, and the, yeah, you I have love very it. few places yeah. to go because they're not living their life, right? They've been dropped into a unique circumstance. So, without the flashback, without um, the story of how they got here, 
you're not mm-hmm. going because yeah I, I have the same feeling I'm a little bit like ah, why are you relying on this like show me what's happening now you know exactly. but, um, exactly. or, or I prefer when it's done in real time like you know if somebody has mom issues like put a mom scene in there let me figure out what's going on with these two you know what I mean like <laughs> um, as opposed to just like showing me like here's what happened when they were 10 years old you know right but um yeah. In the yeah. in these shows, it's done to to great effect. At least in 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 uh, the wilds and and yellow jackets for sure. Um, yeah. I think in yellow jacks jackets, it's really mystery. I mean, where else would you go? They're just on the island. What happens? I mean, and yeah. also the show without Melanie Linsky or Christina Ricci would be just very sad for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. And so now we're back at 13 Reasons Why and Euphoria, which uh, deal with mental health and then addiction as the main themes, respectively. And Dana, you and I have seen every episode of Euphoria. Have you seen all of 13 Reasons Why? Did you see? I have not. I watched the first uh, season, but I haven't seen the subsequent ones because I sort of thought that we had established what the 13 Reasons were. (laughs) (laughs) You're like we got through the 13 reasons what's going on yeah. <laughs> we I wanted to talk about it we wanted to talk about it not so much because of the whole story of each of these like a lot's happening there's so many characters there's so many so many dark teen, teen stories are told <laughs> like in these two shows combined like just the number of of of, of issues and people and da, 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 da. and even the parent stories are quite interesting I more wanted for us to discuss wh- how far is too far, you know, so-called, if we're going to like show the concern, because I know in season one, um, there was so much of 13 Reasons Why. It was intense, even for me. Like I was not ready to watch um, in that almost, it wasn't as graphic as because I read things before complaining about it. And I was like, oh my God, I'm a bit scared. I even was covering my eyes. <laughs> but it wasn't as, um, it, at least it wasn't any more violent than any Roger Eggers movie. Is it Roger? I, I'm pretty sure I keep saying his, his name wrong. Dave Eggers? What is his name? Uh, I, I don't ever call him by his first name. I always just call him Eggers. <laughs> okay, Eggers. Anyway, any kind of violent movie you've ever seen where it's about a war, like this is Sparta 300, right? We see violence all the time. Um, but in that context, it is a suicide, which is different. You know what I mean? Although we see people shoot themselves in the head all the time in action movies. You know what I mean? When they like don't want to get caught or in these like serial killer movies and that sort of, you know, that sort of genre. That's not like about young people, let's say. And then in Euphoria, I mean, there is so much there. There's a lot of nudity. There's quite a bit of... <laughs> For some reason, I was going to say fornication, like an old fuddy-duddy. But, um, <laughs> you know, like they don't, like the camera literally moves into areas where usually that's what's cut off. Um, and so, yeah, I was just wondering, like, do you get the ick from some of the of, from some of these? Do you have any feelings about it? Or are you just like, hey, you know, it is what it is. I think I'm in the camp of, you know, I understand that TV making and movie making is a huge group effort. And a lot of people sign up on sign off on final creative decisions, like whether I like them or not. So I tend to be to, to go into the mind of a lot of people who work very hard on this project, how I feel about it. You know? I'm not here to limit what they think their creative license should allow. Like it's a free world and I'm the one who press play. So 
I guess I'm, I don't really have a deep opinion about it other than like, oh, I have complicated feelings in my body. <laughs> you know, and I, when I'm done watching it, I'm like, ooh, would my li- was my life better or worse? <laughs> <laughs> I think, and we can talk about this a little bit more. I feel much more passionately about this um, uh, in the context of the fallout than I do in either case of 13 reasons why or uh, or euphoria well we can go you can feel free completely to bring up the fallout as well because that's the other you know uh area that we were going to explore which is um yeah as you said nomsa there hasn't been really a movie after that one about columbine that was just like a feature-length film you know what i mean that tried to to get into the i mean it was more about the the shooting itself, whereas the fallout is about the fallout. It's about the aftermath of experiencing the school shooting. And so it was at least interesting in that way. Um, but yeah, go go ahead. Feel free to mix it up. Uh, I think so. For me, the fallout helped me to understand a lot of what people think is wrong with maybe potentially this entire genre, but specifically the sort of parts of this Uh, these kinds of shows that deal with mental health issues. Uh, And for me, it was because I thought it was very flashy, but not um, substantive. And so it made it uh, deeply problematic for me. It felt exploitative of the whole thing. And obviously, you know, when we started talking about doing this episode, we hadn't had a a, a recent school shooting issue, um, which obviously subsequently, unfortunately, we have had one now. And, you know, this, this film predates that, but it did, it did feel, did feel at the crossroads of someone who was either exploiting that experience for quote unquote entertainment or was making what would essentially be a PSA. Like it felt as if someone sat down and was like, I want to write a movie that's going to change people's opinions about, you know, gun violence, which I don't think that movie exists for a lot of different reasons. I don't want to, we don't have to get into politics here, but I don't think that there's that that's going to be the shift. And even if it were, I'm not sure that the fallout would be the movie that would do that. Um, But it did feel like, um, I don't know, just a little bit didactic and also simultaneously not substantive. I struggled with it a lot. And I think that may be what, people what a lot of people experience when they experience some of these shows and they're like why to our bigger point why does this show exist or why does this film exist um because i don't know i don't know who it's for or what it's adding to like the conversation uh, um, and i think maybe where we're things that are potentially useful probably those people are not seeing those things in this case that's how I felt like I didn't I didn't understand it's like it's reason for being um so yeah (laughs) I guess especially because it also appeared to have a reason for being there's many movies that don't need to have a reason for being they're just there you know true true. I think I actually uh, you know again I love Grace, love actually love Jenna Ortega as well, um, who is in the fallout. And I, I it, what I want to say about Grace is I think it's a part of a discussion we've been having for a while on this podcast about she first sometimes it's a bit it loses a bit of the like there's a storytelling which is drama, arts, whatever, and then there's a political message. Mm-hmm. And sometimes 
I think shows, movies try to tell a create a, a political message in a creative way and miss the creative way when it feels like this we're t- I'm telling you a specific story about gun violence and how it affected these particular people in this context. And it, it feels a bit sometimes too moral of the story, too, um, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah, so it interesting like, because, oh, sorry, continue. No, no, no. I, it feels like um, one of those after school specials. you know it's so it's so interesting i think i want to watch the movie again to try and see what you saw but i remember when i saw it getting it it didn't even feel to me like it was i can see definitely how you because i guess i didn't see the i don't know why but when i came to it i was pretty blank slate i didn't know fully I understood that the kids had gone through something. All I had seen was some like thingy online. It has done quite well. It has good good numbers on like Metacritic and these things. And so I was like, oh, HBO Max. I love the stuff on HBO Max. I feel like watching a movie. Let me see this movie. And so I was sort of just going with the flow and I was just on the level. I felt like I had to get down to become a bit smaller to 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 be at the um, to try and feel what the protagonist was feeling which is Jenny, Jenna Ortega, who I thought did a pretty good job of being like a Gen Z actress person. And so I only saw it through those two's lenses. I wasn't giving it this whole like, you know, um, this mm-hmm. is trying to tell me about anything. You know, I was seeing like, oh, I see her. She's kind of avoidant. She's not really wanting to talk about this thing. She's trying to pretend it's OK. And then I was really I fully empathized was like if I had been in the in the shooting and that had happened, like just assuming what the movie is telling me is true. Right. Like you'd had to go and hide with your friends in a bathroom. You were kind of a normal kid. And now you're supposed you're just at home, you know. And then mm-hmm. you make a friend and you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You were there that day. But you don't your children. You don't know. And you're trying to talk about it like adults. We all do. Even as adults, we don't put our full emotion in the front. You know what I mean? Just the other day, I was like, well, wow, I'm having so many feelings and I, I need to say them to this person. And I can't I, I can't do it. And so I <laughs> just I don't know how. And there's not even it's not it's like a, it's like two sentences. It's that I know the whole story. You know what I mean? Like, but, but I, it's so vulnerable. And so for me, I actually really enjoyed the fallout, but only looking at it through those two, I, I you know, I wasn't like, oh, this movie's trying to do something and it's failing. I was just mm. looking at the story of these two kids. And I thought that the, I didn't expect a cliffhanger at the end or like a kind of a twist, but I thought that that was a pretty powerful um, message. Cause so anyway, spoiler alert to whoever's listening. Essentially, oh no, don't tell us, don't tell us. I have to, otherwise it doesn't. Okay, no, I'm not going to tell you, tell you what happened. But it's basically like, it, it's kind of a, the, the movie itself doesn't have a tone of, let me take a deep down into the depth of the pain of the, sh-, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's just it's kind of light, as you were saying, you know what I mean? It, it feels, I think part of the problem that you were pointing out is that it it feels like if you know that it's about school shootings, you're like, but where's my, where's, what right. are you doing about this? Like, it where's just feels like you're talking around it. You're just like around, what is this? It does feel a bit sanitized, a little bit like, the colors are pretty, the blah, blah, blah. But it is sort of taking the protagonist on this pseudo healing journey. Like she's making a friend, a friend who's relating, who's kind of been through the same thing. It's going well. She's figuring out how to be a normal teen. And essentially at the end, 
it's like not it, it's still like but the trigger is still there like everything's not okay like this thing has sort of permanently still damaged the the place the psyche whatever i'm trying to say it without saying it and i actually found that highly effective because i went on the ride <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Because I was like, I get this girl. I see what she's going through. I'm wishing her the best. And then it was like, oh yeah, no, the the world is a mess. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like nothing's well. Yeah, no, a movie can't solve this issue. True. Yeah. <laughs> that was so. I didn't like that from either lens. But it's funny. I didn't really think about it from the sort of trauma lens, I thought of it more as like a political statement, the ending. And so I had a lot of difficulty with it because I just thought, don't put this now in the last like minute of the film. But I also don't think I like it even when I think about it from the context of um, the emotional journey Mm -hmm. that she went through. Um, I I don't want to rag on this film, (laughs) but... but it's not but this is the whole point like people view things and take away different things from it and have different feelings yeah, about yeah. it you know definitely because don't i can wanna... totally see what you're saying if i couldn't if i viewed it like you know what i mean not i don't think you're right or i'm wrong it's it's like you know what i mean it's not it's not a judgment of that but i remember when i watched it i really had no i was not applying a larger context to it other than like what am I watching this chick trying to do like what's her story right now like what's mm. what's happening and so I only saw it from a trauma lens like oh she mm. went through a thing and she's trying to sort it out and didn't like think about you know mom's demand piece or whatever um mm-hmm. and and those sorts of things and so for me it did really strike me you know and I was like yeah. oh yeah no PTSD is real <laughs> it doesn't you just <laughs> you, you don't like heal it in one second and it did it made me think afterwards like oh my god like I just saw two kids but as you said we just had this recent situation two recent situations because they were quite a few and you know there's so many people who are reeling from the 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 violence and the trauma that is gun violence like that sort of like mass shootings are again not to harp but ubiquitous in the United States and so and imagine how many kids in schools how many kids in colleges how many you know, people went to concerts, although like people actually do deal with that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. All the time. And so, I mean, it seems to have done well as a film. So I, I hope people did watch it and sort of reflect in the same way that I did a little bit, or at least, you know, have some more empathy about it. But I also agree that to the extent it was like, let's change people's minds. I don't think that it's like, (laughs) you know what I mean? I don't think that's going to be the film. My only other point about it was that I thought, you know, when I was thinking about it from the context of the, like the emotional journey, I felt like a little manipulated. And again, I think that might touch on like a larger theme of Mm -hmm. what people don't like about these types of things because they feature teenagers in these very... Mm -hmm specific, very difficult circumstances. And so on one side of the scale, we're giving them the ability to have complex emotions and um, giving much more merit and, um, and credit to their emotions as human beings instead of being dismissive of them. Then I think on the other hand, I think it's very easy to use uh, teenage problems Mm. amplify them and really create this outsized sense of emotional response from like an adult viewing it because I do Mm. feel bad 
I did feel bad for her. And that's a horrifying experience. It's horrible Mm -hmm. to have that happen to you. Um, I, um, I, I'm based in the U S and I have, I've been in situations where we're like, okay, well, we're locking down the mall because there is an active shooter. And in that case, like nobody was hurt, but there was a guy charging around this mall in Los Angeles with an automatic weapon. And it was terrifying. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can't imagine being a kid where not only am I in that situation of having that lockdown, but people from my school died, the people that I know. Mm -hmm. I I did have that gut reaction towards like looking at that. And I feel like it's a way, some of the criticism might be directed at the use of that to get kind of like a cheap reaction out of you as an as a as an adult Mm -hmm. i'm not saying that specifically to the fallout but just as general criticism that i think people have of these Mm -hmm. kind of things to your point portia at the top of this like how realistic is the idea of like ruse life or are you just creating this like artificial scenario in order Mm -hmm. to response yeah and it, yeah it's cheap storytelling right right and i mean that was yeah. the, the the one of the points i put up early in the planning was the now that these shows are sort of focused on being like hyper realistic is it actually realistic or is it more trauma porny you know mm. um and it's sort of an exploitation of the the actual deep pain that these teenagers are experiencing yeah. and they're mm-hmm. actually like harsh realities you know are we exaggerating them and just to that point um that you're making then i mean um and also push like they i was actually the the there was a discussion i think um the one of the writers of abbott's elementary and i I know to be a comedy um Mm. after the school shooting they were asking for people were saying she should do a, a school shooting episode in abbott elementary and it's like cool that happens right but this is mm-hmm. not that show. And doing that, I think um, one, you know, one of the things is like doing that in that sort of show is, I think, exploitative. And I think does sort of um, do what you're saying, Dana, in terms of we're trying to send a specific message to adults and we're using the, the these, you know, it's an elementary school and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You on your heartstrings because it's kids. And again, realistic, yes, because it happens in mm-hmm. America, but there are some times where it's inappropriate mm-hmm. in the context of the show. And I, and I guess I can see, it, you know, the, the point of the fallout is that, that is the point, but I can also see how, and I think it's in general, how these shows can seem exploitative um, mm-hmm. I, and yeah. emotionally manipulative. And I guess too, exa- too exaggerated in a sense, because if in the case of Euphoria, how are all these teens having all these emotions and all this trauma, all of that? But, but yeah, I, I think yeah. I think sometimes, sometimes, even when a story misses, I think there's stories that should be told anyway. Even if you miss, mm-hmm. I think storytelling remains important. 
acceptance and to keep telling stories. Um, it, and because in your experience, Porsche, they got it right and they, you went on that emotional journey with the fallout. And in yeah. your experience, it was a bit of a miss, Dana. But I think even then, it's still important to tell the stories, even in um, a, a 13 Reasons Why or a Euphoria, it feels a bit extra. Still important okay. to tell the stories. And also, some of it's just remarkable television for the, for the, for just to be watched. Like, sometimes right, you just exactly. want to see the like, actor battle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> true. And, and like you said, like both things are true. It's true that these things happen. And then it is also unfortunate that we as the adults, you know, displace our, because it's not these kids' problem. We shouldn't have to exploit their pain when they are grown-ass people (laughs) who have the capacity and the power to, like, not shoot them, you know, not give the guns, like, do something about this awful situation. But no, instead, let's make 700, like, films and TV shows about this situation. I can totally see how, like, asinine that, you know, that becomes. And if if you have that sort of bitter taste in your mouth about it, watching this stuff can really make you cringe you know and or just like gross get it out of my face like this Mm. uh, you shouldn't have to be showing me these kids suffering and honestly I have very strong words for all those people who are telling Quinter Brunson what to do with Abbott Elementary we're just stop it okay get out of here it is not their job in a sitcom of all things the only happy that already has a social agenda it's talking about the underfunding of public schools right it's already tackling something and trying to do something about that now you want them to depict a bunch of dead black kids ah get out of here get out of here you kids have only entertained us with their dances okay these teachers have been amazing how dare you insist that they remove this one you know piece of joy um from us no absolutely not i can't believe people feel that entitled to be like hey show people don't you want yes an idea kids like run down by a gun and how dare you can you imagine it's too much just um yeah I was just going to just highly recommend shows. Um, these two shows on Netflix and one movie. I think it's on, I don't know where the movie's on. Society, there's only one season. But if you're looking for something that's a teen drama, eerie, weird, kind of in the vein of, you know what? There is nothing it's in the vein of. Um, it's just like a very <laughs> strange, but really interesting teen show. And I'm sad they didn't make a season two. Well, they canceled um, canceled it before season two. And then for something really just fun and silly, teenagers, um, it's Teenage Bounty Hunters, which I just really, really enjoyed. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was so funny. And then the movie is Booksmart. I don't know if any of you have seen it. the best movie. It's so good. Love yeah. it. And that's just like more teenage stuff, but not as heavy. Um, that's good thank you for putting some of that sugar here okay we needed that sweetness to join the party thank you so Dana before you leave first of all thank you so much all your very astute contributions doing all this homework really appreciate you joining us yeah we Um, made you work I know we did make you work we really did so we have for our (laughs) guest For our guests to come on this show, we like to play um, this thing we call the quick flame game. It mostly comes from a um, sip of the tongue that I think Nomsa made. We don't yeah. know. We tried to say something about fire, quick fire, and then it ended up becoming a quick flame. So it's a quick <laughs> flame game. And we ask you five questions. I try not to think about it too hard. 
Just okay. answer what comes to mind. It's meant to be a quick flame. Okay. <laughs> it's our right. take on rapid fire. So first question, which, you know, is confusing because it definitely does not engender quick answers. But okay. <laughs> are you where you thought you'd be at this state, at this age or stage in your life? If not, where did you think you would be? Oh, the, the, absolutely not. But it also depends on when you would have asked me this question. If you'd asked me it as a 12-year-old, I actually thought I would be, um, I don't know, I thought I would be like an international like like trader. Um, but that's what I thought I was going to be. I thought I was going to be wheeling and dealing and I don't even Imports, exports. Yeah. I don't think I yeah. understood what any of that meant. Yeah. You're just like, I'm going to be in Shanghai next week. You know, exactly. <laughs> I thought I would be, you know, like telling people to buy and sell large quantities of like currency. I didn't mean yes. anything. Do I understand it? No, but that's the image I had in my head. <laughs> of what an important person was as a 12 year old mm-hmm. living in Jamaica. Um, so that's what I would be doing. Um, obviously I'm not doing that. Um, if you'd asked me when I was like 25, I probably thought I would be, uh, you know, a lawyer at a law firm. I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and in all of those scenarios, there was um, like, a very nice man who was taking care of my children in the background. <laughs> Don't have that either. <laughs> so, uh, absolutely not, but I'm quite happy where I am. Uh, you know, you Excellent. have all these ideas at different uh, phases of your life. And I, I think one of the questions I didn't answer at the beginning of this was how old I am. I am 40. So I have had various versions of my eye vision of what my life should be uh, in the last 40 years. None of them have come true, but I'm still okay. Yes. <laughs> this is my favorite. My new idealized image of like a way to be is just a free black woman. That's like, to me, that's that's the pinnacle. That is the mountaintop. That's my life. I love it. I'm here for it. Thank you for being such an inspiration. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. Yes. Inspirational. Do you want to take this one, Nomsa? Um, what's your favorite TV show and why is it Grey's Anatomy? <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, it's all the friendships, I think. Uh, is that that is not accurately described? Wait, wait. What is your favorite TV show? <laughs> um, my, I'll give different answers. So my favorite comedy and uh portion i watched this together and i'm sorry if you haven't i highly recommend it um is the good place i just think it's one of the best comedies that have ever been done like i think it's hilarious and i during the pandemic did a rewatch of it and it's just it's brilliant love it Oh my gosh, Dana, I met somebody who said they like didn't really couldn't get into it and watch like four. I didn't I didn't even know how to respond. I was like, I think write that person off is what. Yeah, no, I didn't. I, don't know. I literally don't know who it is right now. I did a control alt delete. I just know that I had that experience. Don't ever talk to them again. I won't. I won't. I don't know who it is. I erased them. 
<laughs> you had a good place experience. Weird I resumes. did. I just said, oh, no, baby. <laughs> what is he doing? <laughs> uh-huh. Do you have another um, favorite? That's your favorite comedy. Did you have more to say? Yes. Um, and so, I mean, this reveals that I'm a huge dork. I would say um, I'm setting this in an entirely different genre from like a drama. It's not really. It's a fantasy series that was dramatic, but, you know, Game of Thrones. I oh, think yes. Was just you can't beat that. Like it had everything. <laughs> it had drama and mm-hmm. comedy and dragons. Um. <laughs> At the height of it, yeah, you couldn't even like you know yeah. what well, everybody was living from episode to episode. Nobody was like doing other things. Right, right. At its height, um, I just, I just loved it. I, I, I thought it captured obviously all of our like that that sort of cultural moment because I can't think of another TV show that did that. Breaking um, Bad. Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know many people who go to like a bar to watch Grey's Anatomy. Like, really, I don't know if you guys remember uh, as uh, Game of Thrones was winding down, people who go to bars and watch it together and have that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. My uh, brother would take me when I went to visit in Tennessee. Grey's Anatomy um, is, you know, I'm sure people that that's a unifying cultural experience. Dana, Dana, you don't have to do this. You don't have to try and help us here. You don't have to try. Nomsa knows exactly what Nomsa was doing. Nomsa's playing games. You don't have to be nice right now. You let it, you let it go. You don't have to try and help us here. Okay. I'm trying so hard. No, leave it. Just leave it where you found it. Don't worry. Nomsa knows what they, what she did. Nomsa knows exactly what she did. I'm trying so hard. Um, favorite drama is much more difficult. I think they're just like, you know, there are a lot of great things in that. Um, yeah category of thing like I, I it would take me much longer to like to like pick one yeah because there's mm. so many good um shows yeah. that um that that I've seen in the last especially in the last 10 years or so that I true you know, true true yeah. yeah I think for for us we were excited because the new season of the good fight is coming out and we love that show yes I mean I think that's a bit genre bending it's like legal drama yeah, comedy, yeah. All of the things. it's satire some episodes are entirely satirical it's amazing yeah um, but our next question for you is how would you describe the difference between summertime you and wintertime you? Ooh, uh, that's a good question. I think, you know, like a lot of people, uh, wintertime me is a hibernator, like very much. I um, need to be indoors, nesting under the covers, just like um, a nice warm blanket and uh, pasta. Although, you know, summertime me also loves pasta. So maybe that's not really. <laughs> <laughs> that's not seasonal. That's not seasonal. That's all year round. Um, but I, you know, I feel like um, summertime me is much more creative and outdoorsy and, um, you know, sociable. <laughs> Love it. I'm actually quite, I'm the same. I'm very much the same. And then sync or Backstreet Boys and why? Oof. 
Oof, 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 oof. That's a tough one. I think, trying to think if I probably think at the time, but maybe Backstreet Boys now. I think, yeah, I think so. And why would be uh, at the time, I was probably trying to be like counterculture and uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you know, like these guys are actually, you know, what would be really good. And I'm not try- trying to tell you how to run your podcast but like yeah. on 98 degrees man don't sleep ah. on 98 degrees is what you guys 98 degrees oh my god is that the one had that had Nick Lachey yes and they had this song with Mariah Carey and um Joe I think they did the remix to what song was it thank no I mm, power thank to thank god I found oh, you oh was <laughs> Lost to it. Yay! Yes. Yes. I love women who grew up in the 90s. We know everything. Uh, <laughs> okay. That's, that's oh, I love okay. It. And then still in the same music space, what is your favorite era of music? And if you can identify what uh, the artist from that era as well. Um, thought this is a really good one. I think if I think back on like, the late 90s early 2000s mm-hmm. and I'm really honest with myself you know like SW mm-hmm. like everything that was happening at Bad Boy Entertainment probably yes. <laughs> do you remember Danity Kane oh my word you just brought me a flashback of Danity uh, Kane from the En Vogue era no no. no, 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 no. I'm thinking of Bad Boy because um, P. Diddy had that show on MTV where he was building those bands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, oh, what a time. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. But that's making- a little bit after what I'm talking about. I'm talking about. I know. I just got a flashback when you said <laughs> Bad Boy. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> just the, the, the association of Bad Boy Entertainment did that for you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was just a vibe. Like, I mean, really, yeah. well, I mean, there's nothing like don't let go. Remember? And it came out at the same time as set it off. Like, oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Put that song. Uh, oh, yeah. And, like, oh, my God. En Vogue really was everything. And I was so young, but I felt it. I knew who I was supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I would say if, you know, like a culture critic asked me so I'll deny this even though <laughs> it will be public information uh, but that's that's the truth <laughs> this is the truth <laughs> all right thanks so, so much, much Dana fun. no problem thank you guys for having me this was great yeah and we definitely hope you'll come back because yeah, you're not you an official friend yes yes I, I i would love to be back you guys tell me the topic um give me my home i'll be back Excellent. yay thanks Bye. guys um Take and care. i've got just one quote from billy eilish okay. and just you know in the vein of being a teenager and it's from her song getting older i'm getting older I think I'm aging well. I wish someone had told me I'd be doing this by myself. Mm. That's fair, Billy. Same. <laughs> Same sis. <Cute> girl. <laughs> All right, you all take care of yourselves, okay? Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at Assume It Will Be Brilliant Pod. And if you have any queries, questions, or comments, please email us at 
assumeitwillbebrilliant at gmail.com. And remember, step out into the unknown, assuming it will be brilliant. If you want to support the show and help other people find us, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. 